0: Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn
1: up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. Well, it's an intro you haven't heard in a while. That's because uh, I feel like we're less consistent than some other podcasts out there that I could say. I'm not going to say Bondcast or anything, but um, <laughs> welcome, everyone. Hello and welcome to Rock Out Lead, the, uh, the podcast where we get the lead out. It's all about the greatest rock band of all time, Led Zeppelin. My name is Steve Glosson. Glad to be along with you. And with me is our resident Led Zeppelin expert. You got a question about the Zep, he's got the answer. It's, let me do it the way they do it on RFR from Chicago, my good friend and yours, Jimmy Mack. Hello, Jimmy. Hey, Steve. Hey, Zepheads. Yes, we're back talking
0: Zeppelin. We're getting the lead out, if you will. Oh, by the way, I saw that uh, act. It's touring. It's called Get the Lead Out. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I saw it a couple weekends ago. And uh, they do a pretty good job. They're super tight, super rehearsed, unlike Zeppelin was live. <laughs> Zeppelin was the exact opposite of uh, super rehearsed. And uh, they, they went way off the, uh, the you know, off the, the farmland and out into the wilderness when it came to performing music live. They were improvisational and experimental a lot of times on stage and unpredictable. This act, Get the Lead Out, is touring, and uh, they do note-for-note versions of the studio tracks. Oh, wow. So, where okay. Zeppelin would stretch out Dazed and Confused into a big, long jam, these guys keep it real tight, note-for-note, the way you hear it on the album. Yeah. And it's that's cool. Yeah. Um, but after a while, I'm like, boy, I, I really miss the uh, improv that Zeppelin would do. And and these songs are almost structured to be taken out live and stretched as far as you can. However, this band was doing tracks that Zeppelin never performed live. So to get live versions of things like uh, Dermaker, for example, which is a song Zeppelin never played live, to oh, actually wow. hear it live... That was pretty cool. Hmm. So these guys super rehearsed. Um, you know, they could be serving a residency in Vegas somewhere. You oh know? wow! It's, it's
1: that kind of so
0: tight this show.
1: This is this is get the lead out. This is not the Jason Bonham Led no. Zeppelin experience.
0: Now Jason Bonham is coming to my area. He's going to be um, actually playing in Joliet, Illinois, which is about uh, I don't know an hour outside Chicago and uh, he's gonna be playing there in december and i've seen jason and his band several times and they do also very tight studio versions of zeppelin tracks but they stretch it out a little more you know yeah you know, they'll, they'll they'll take it off into a different direction and, and really jam and that's what zeppelin live would do they would really jam and uh And not to say that Get the Lead Out doesn't jam, but they stay within the framework
1: more than traditionally Zeppelin would. Well, let me ask you this. In the past, I don't think we've talked about them. Have you been exposed yet to Greta Van Fleet? Yes, yes. What are your thoughts on that group?
0: Well, I like them. They sound a lot like Zeppelin. Sure they do. Okay, but a lot of bands have tried to do that over the years you remember in the late 80s it was always about the zepp clones that were out there mm. bands like white snake with david cover version oh or I'm, I'm sorry david coverdale <laughs> don't let uh don't let Kristen hear you say that <laughs> it was robert plant i think who gave him the nickname david cover version oh, because wow. he was a little frosted about david essentially stealing his act when uh When uh, Whitesnake went through their late 80s MTV video uh, era. Hmm. And I mean, it was obvious that Coverdale was, it seemed like he was acting like Robert Plant in those videos. And then you have John, what was it, John Sykes, I think his name was, the guitar player. He comes out there with a violin ball. (laughs) I think Jimmy Page said he almost fell out of his chair when he saw that.
1: Well, Page and Coverdale did some team-up albums, didn't they?
0: They did. They did. They did one album,
1: Coverdale Page, which Mm -hmm. was a really good album. Yeah, yeah. I remember it being good.
0: And uh, I think they had the drummer from Heart playing in Mm. that band. And they were going to tour the States, but they only did a tour of Japan in support of that album. And I think Jimmy Page had ulterior motives with that whole project. I think, uh, A, Page was sitting on some material he really wanted to record, and B... Robert Plant was not returning his calls. So he said, okay, well, this will get Robert's attention. I'm going to get David cover version to join me, and (laughs) we're going to tour Japan. And sure enough, before you knew it, we got the announcement about Page and Plant and the uh, unleaded show Mm -hmm. on MTV, followed Mm -hmm. by uh, an album and two tours. So uh, it worked, apparently. Jimmy was able to get Robert back into the fold, for at least five years there in the 90s without John Paul Jones, which right. I thought was kind of crappy, but whatever. I mean, it, I was just happy to be able to see Page and Plant perform live and uh, see them a few times performing live. That really scratched an itch. Now, right now, as we are in the month of September. Yes, <laughs> see, it it was a race between me and Steve to see who's gonna say September first, but I beat you to it.
1: Well, I thought I'd give it to you, man. Oh, thanks, thanks.
0: So here we are in the month of September, and it's not any September. This is the fiftieth anniversary of Led Zeppelin. Led mm. Zeppelin formed in September nineteen sixty eight. So here we are fifty years later. Still no announcement about any sort of reunion. With Paige and Plant and Jones and Jason Bonham, who would be filling in for his dad. But I have my fingers crossed. I think the uh, exact date is it the twenty fifth of September, or is that the date? That's the date John Bonham died. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact date Zeppelin formed, but uh, they did get together at some point in a um, and have a rehearsal. I think it might have been August. Was the first time they got together and started playing, and then they went out and fulfilled some Yardbirds dates that Jimmy Page was still responsible because when the Yardbirds broke up, Jimmy was the only, (laughs) the last man Mm -hmm. standing, Mm -hmm. and he, uh, he and Peter Grant, who was the manager at that time, they essentially gained ownership of the Yardbirds or a piece of it, a big enough piece to where they were responsible for these, these dates that were still booked. So Zeppelin went out as the new Yardbirds
1: and fulfilled those dates. That's like a that's like those tag teams from the eighties and nineties. The new Rock and Roll Express, the new Midnight <laughs> Express.
0: Now Zeppelin never had any <clears throat> sort of uh, aspirations to continue as the new Yardbirds. Right, it was all just done for billing's sake, because those dates were already booked and committed to by the Yardbirds, and then the Yardbirds just spontaneously combusted, and uh, Jimmy Page was left holding the pieces. So he had to fulfill those dates. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's questionable whether or not they actually called themselves the new Yardbirds on all those dates or not, or if they were calling themselves Led Zeppelin and it was just, build that way as New Yardbirds. But uh, that one I'm not really 100% sure on. But that's how how the band got together. And so here we are in the month, and there's no indication that Robert Plant is going to get back together with Paige Jones and Bonham. Mm -hmm. It just bothers me so much that Robert continues to deny his fans of the opportunity. Because let's face it, most of the Led Zeppelin fan base today We're not alive to actually see Led Zeppelin perform live. Right. I mean, I'm a diehard fan. I never had the chance to see Led Zeppelin perform live. And, uh, you know, the last time they played in the States was 1977. They did have a tour scheduled for 1981. And tickets actually went on sale here in Chicago for the Chicago Stadium shows. But that was the exact same day that John Bonham died. It was the day those tickets went on sale. Yeah. Crazy. So um, so um I'm just, I'm, I'm a little upset with Robert because I get it. Listen, I know he wants to forge ahead on his own and create his own music and stuff, but he is just constantly flipping the bird at people who have been supporting Led Zeppelin for all these years and never had the opportunity to see him perform live, and at Jimmy Page, who's been really itching to get a Led Zeppelin reunion up off the ground. And after they did that reunion show in 2007 in London, you thought for sure there was going to be a reunion tour attached to that. And it just didn't happen because of Robert Plant. Mm -hmm. And uh, Robert just continues to say, no, say no. And I would, I would respect that if Robert wasn't going out with his
1: band Doing half-ass versions of Led Zeppelin's, <laughs> doing, do, doing whole lot of love on the sitar.
0: Yeah, what is it with all that droning and all that stuff? Yeah. That isn't that doesn't rock. It feels,
1: it God. really feels a lot like. Um, and I hate to bring this group up, and you know, in such a holy setting, but it really feels a lot like the Beatles. Once they were done, they were done. You know, and and John Lennon continued to be a little bit, I guess you'd call it creative. You know, but it was this, it was just a different ty- type of thing. You know, of course, his life cut short and and the Beatles never really had that chance to, to reform. Um, but you, would, I think they would have too. <clears throat> I think the Beatles oh, sure. would have gotten back
0: together. Sure.
1: I don't, I don't think there was as much, I don't think there was a lot of bad blood or anything from what I understand. Uh, you know, I think they just decided it was time to quit. And then I know, I, re- I remember Paul McCartney telling a story about, um, Lauren Michaels came out on uh, Saturday Night Live one night, and he because there was all this stuff. People were offering the Beatles all this stuff to get together, and he came out and said, "I have a check here for three hundred dollars if you will come to the show <laughs> as yeah. the Beatles," you know, as a joke. And uh, and McCartney it said he was watching with Lennon, and Lennon's like, "We should do it," and you know, but I, I for whatever reason, it just seems like it seems like Plant is so afraid of even all these years later being pigeonholed back into this thing and i'm just like come on man this is the good stuff this is
0: well i i agree and i think that the chemistry with page and plant is still there sure. at least judging from that concert they did 10 years ago yeah and it's just unfortunate they didn't follow up on that energy with a, a tour yep. a, you know a few tours maybe even that could have led to an album why not you know it's just it it bothers me that robert prioritizes uh, his own stuff, which, you know, is fine, but if, if don't then go out and perform Zeppelin music if, if you're really going to take that stand. Leave the past in the past for real and stop giving me, you know, god-awful versions of Black Dog that don't even resemble.
1: <laughs> how, much, how much of it do you think is kind of clinging to the fact that uh, even though that Jason's out there doing his thing, that John is not around?
0: Well, I think that does have a lot to do with it. But considering you do have his own son who is really chomping at the bit to continue the legacy of Mm -hmm. his father and not being able to, it just just is so selfish of Robert to me. It just seems so selfish. And I've had this argument with a lot of people, and I don't expect everyone listening to the show to agree with me. But that's just how I feel. And um, I think, you know, Robert still cashes in on his legacy enough to the point where he should legitimize it and reform Led Zeppelin with Paige Jones and Bonham. Now, um, there was one other thing I wanted to say about Roberts. <laughs> I understand why he might be skittish about getting Led Zeppelin back together because let's look at the last five years of Zeppelin. Robert, in 1975, was involved in a terrible car crash mm-hmm. in which he, he could have lost his life or his, at least his ability to walk. He, he was able to recover from that. But it did lay him up for a year in a wheelchair almost. Um, then two years after that, while on tour of the U.S. in 1977, his five-year-old son dies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I forget what it was, um, some sort of... Um, Um, Like uh, bacterial uh, or or some sort of disease he got. But I mean, it was sudden. It was sudden. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how Robert's son died actually. I I thought it was like, how did Robert. Oh, that's a fun Google. Son die. Uh, But that happened in 1977. And it was, yeah, an unidentified infection. Mm. And he was six years old. Carrick plants. And uh, while they were on tour, apparently Robert received a call from his wife saying that uh, their son was uh, seriously ill, cut the tour short. Um, they were in New Orleans when Robert got this news, and uh, unfortunately, Carrick died. Now, strike two. Then, in 1980, his best friend drinks himself to death. John right. Bonham dies. Yeah. Strike three. I think Robert might actually be a little nervous about getting Zeppelin back together fearing negative mojo mm. might be surfaced yeah and you know of course with the rock and roll uh, l- the legends of rock you know I mean uh, the uh, the stories and everything uh, some people are like well you know Jimmy Page was uh, involved in the black arts. And uh, that's why Zeppelin was so successful, but there had to be sacrifices made. And I was like, holy crap. So, I mean, but whether or not you believe that narrative, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I certainly don't, um, but, uh, you know, there, there could be something. You know, Robert seems like he's a pretty spiritual kind of guy, you know, someone who definitely uh, maintains the, uh, the, the sort of hippie perspective. Yeah, he's very um, new agey. Yeah, yeah, it seems that way, and so you would think that maybe he just doesn't want to go back there for fear of negative mojo. Sure. So uh, that could be one thing because I, I can't I can't explain it. So, you know, I don't want to be so harsh and say Robert's being selfish and everything, but I, I do think that his legacy begs to be revisited, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be, you know necessarily be forever, but. Uh,
1: no, I think I think it'd be great because none of the guys are getting younger, and and that the uh, the concert from two thousand seven at the O two Arena is fabulous. Yeah, like that. That is a great recording, and um, so maybe you know the the first album actually wasn't released until January of sixty nine. So maybe they're just waiting for that fiftieth anniversary to maybe announce something.
0: Well, we'll see. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we'll see. <laughs>
0: We'll see, but uh, it it seems like uh I, I, I thought there was something that's being planned. It just
1: hasn't been announced yet. Yeah. So um, it's almost like Star Wars fans expecting something big at celebration and nothing ever happens. <laughs> it's that, that final the the uh the final panel or whatever, the closing ceremonies. All oh, right. <laughs> We're right. going yeah, to Germany can... with
0: <laughs> Yeah, beer and pretzels. <laughs> That's what I came here for—was beer and pretzels. That's right.
1: <laughs> but uh, oh man, well let's get into Zep three, man. Let's do it. This is a this is a great album. Um, it it continues what we've had in in one and two, you know, with the bluesy feeling and everything, and um, and it opens with just this killer, killer track that has become that's come back into the forefront last year with uh with Thor Ragnarok, which have you gotten to see that yet? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I
0: saw, it, I saw the uh, opening sequence. Yes. Where um, he, he's fighting that uh, big fire devil guy. Right. Searcher, I believe and, is his uh, name. Yeah, what an effective use of Immigrant Song at that moment. Yeah. And, you know, of course, Immigrant Song kind of always makes you think of Thor because Plant makes reference to the hammer of the guy. Sure,
1: sure. Well let's uh let's give it a listen here. Okay. you know, on Rock Out Loud, Jim, as we say all the time, we, we love to talk about opening tracks on albums. And, you know, you imagine you, you've you spent a year or so with Zep 2, and you, you've memorized everything. You, you're you jamming out to all those songs, and then you you finally you run down to the record shop. They've got Led Zeppelin 3. It's release day. You've got it. You run home. You put it on the turntable. You drop the needle, and you hear in the background, you know, them counting down, and then just Right in your face, yeah, with that driving, you know, guitar and and bass, and then just the the screeching vocals of Robert Plant, and it just jams. Like this is such a great way to to say as a as a group, we're back.
0: Oh yeah, you know, you almost feel your hair getting blown back when those first notes kick in, and um, yeah, it's just an amazing, amazing, heavy. Song and it's one of Zeppelin's heaviest, which is interesting because it's on one of their lightest albums, right? You, know, when you consider yeah. the, a lot of the content on Zeppelin 3, especially on side B, is uh, is uh, very acoustic in, mm-hmm. in nature and it still rocks and everything, but to uh have the the contrast of the opening track Immigrant Song which is just like a punch in the face you know Mm -hmm. and then you uh, you,
1: and then then, they just kind of then they just kind of soothe you for the
0: rest of the album then you're just yeah you're licking your wounds around the campfire (laughs) uh, making s'mores and breaking out the acoustic guitars but that's what Zeppelin's always about you Mm -hmm. know even their name Led Zeppelin it's it's something that's light and heavy at the same time yes yes. uh, That's something that's always been there with Zeppelin—the uh, the real heaviness factor—and then the fact that they can they can also uh, chill out with a, a, an acoustic piece. And this album really features their, I would say, their their first time to really show off what they can do acoustically. Now you have a few tracks on Zeppelin uh, One, of course. Mm-hmm. You have uh, "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You," which goes from. Very light to very heavy and back again. You have on Zeppelin two, uh, Ramble On, which you know you have that that's that's rocking all, pretty right. much all the way through. But I mean, it does go from acoustic to hard hitting electric yes. and back. Yep, yep. But this time is the first time you really have Zeppelin fully committing to a lighter approach. But they didn't want people to think that they had completely sold out and gone folky. So they wanted to put Immigrant Song <laughs> at the beginning of the album to say, hey, don't forget, we could still kick you really hard below the belt if we have to. Yes. And, and here it is. So just, just before there's any conversation about us you know, becoming a folk act— We'll throw you one of our heaviest numbers right out of the gate. But and that's great stuff. And of course, then all the 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 visual imagery of, uh you know, the Vikings storming the shores and, you know, plundering, taking whatever they want. You know, it's it's it fits in so well with um that Viking imagery, and then bring it up to uh current day and you see it at the beginning of the Thor film, you're like, yes, of course. It's 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 like milk and cookies, you know, it goes together
1: so well. Well, you just wondered, they should have done this from the get-go with those Thor movies, you know, and, and that kind of been a driving thing. Of course, the I, I think, I don't want to get too geeky or get too, too far off the reservation, but I think the inclusion of the Immigrant Song came as a result of the the success of the Guardians movies, where they used, you know, pop and rock music soundtracks. and And they said, hey, this could really work for this character, and it's kind of, we're going spacey again with everything, so let's let's throw this in there. And if you haven't watched the whole thing, I, I don't want to ruin anything for you, but it comes back around. And it oh, it does. I figured it would. And I it, have not seen the whole movie. And it yet. comes back around in a perfect way, even ah, more perfect than that opening sequence. So
0: okay, good, good. Giving me
1: something to look. For yes, me. yes. So you
0: know the reason why you don't get a lot of Zeppelin in movies and things is because. They've been notoriously tight about letting people have the
1: rights to use their music in movies, and it rarely happens. Well, you know, Jack Black broke the seal on this one with School of Rock. With School of
0: Rock, with the Immigrant Song right. specifically. Yes, right. And if you have the School of Rock DVD, you'll see there is some bonus footage of uh, right. Jack Black's video plea to Led Zeppelin to please let him use Immigrant Song in School of Rock. Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones, the gods of rock. And the greatest rock band of all time, we need your song, man. We need the immigrant song. This is a movie about rock, and without that song, this movie will crumble into smithereens. Oh, no, the movies kick ass. But dude, your song would be the hard rock and cherry on the top of the mountain, please. One time. I just want you one time to repeat after me. Lords of Rock, Led Zeppelin! Lords of Rock, Led Zeppelin! Grace us with your mighty love!
2: Grace us with your mighty love!
1: And it's for such a great moment when they're riding in the van and he's, you know, he's doing the sing-along thing. and, And I'm like, and that's when I realized, I'm like, oh, Jack Black is basically me in Hollywood. Because I used to do that as a youth pastor with kids, right? I would just turn, you know, whoever's in the front seat and kind of do the same thing and just kind of rock out that way.
0: Awesome. And as someone who has been in the car with you, I have, uh, I've seen this happen, not necessarily with Zeppelin, just about any song. Right, so yeah. That's, uh, you know, any heavy song. And, and your your falsetto is just amazing.
1: Well, thank you. The is. music just takes me, Jim. I can't do anything about it, you know? <laughs> now, actually, you know, the first movie
0: I could think of where I heard a Zeppelin song in it was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay, yes. Rat and mm. his girl... They were driving around and they were listening to Cashmere. Mm. Or maybe it was Spicoli. I haven't seen Fast Times in a time. But, I mean, the reason why you have Led Zeppelin music in that film is because that was a movie created by Cameron Crowe, who has a connection with Led Zeppelin. Right. He, you know, if, if you watch the movie Almost Famous, another Cameron Crowe film, that's essentially about Kid Cameron... Following Led Zeppelin around, trying to get interviews with the guys—it's, um, you know, it, it, it's it's fiction based on reality. And uh, I met Cameron Crowe once, and we were talking Led Zeppelin. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, my wife, you know, she, uh, she has a lot of live Led Zeppelin recordings. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow, how cool is it? Yeah. Cameron Crowe met a girl who likes Led Zeppelin as much as he did. Then it suddenly struck me. Oh, my God. Cameron Crowe is married to Nancy Wilson from Heart. (laughs) Of
1: course she has. (laughs) Of course she has a lot of
0: Zeppelin. Oh, my God. You know, it was just like all this crazy stuff was happening and I was in the studio too, and I remember when Crow left. There was a a kid who was sitting behind the soundboard. I'm like, "You recorded all that, right?" He goes, "Was I supposed to?" Oh no! I'm like, oh, you didn't get that, Cameron Crow? I said, "Didn't you see me like pull the mic
1: over?" No, you didn't it. like, son of a! He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know who that guy was. Well, um. Apparently, they released this album or this song as a single off the album. I think it was one of the first singles off the album, yeah, and there and was one a, of
0: the rare times that Zeppelin would release right. a single,
1: and there was a lot of uh stuff they did apparently for this album in studio that didn't that didn't go on the album so on the b side of the immigrant song single, there's a song called "Hey, hey, what can I do right and uh and and it and it goes to what you're saying. It, it I wouldn't call it folksy. I'd call it almost more bluesy. Um, but it it's very much kind of what you're saying about the rest of this album. It it really tones it down. So uh, this is hey hey. What can I do?
2: fire, As she's the only one that I've been dreaming of, maybe someday she will be all mine, I want to tell her that I love her so, I threw her with every touch, I need to tell her she's the only one I when we go down church see the
1: men standing I love this song, Jim what a great song and
0: uh interesting about it is that uh, it, it was a total rarity this song for the longest time until the 1990s Zeppelin box set
2: mm-hmm.
0: because um, you know think about uh, Zeppelin in the 70s, that was the time when people were buying 45s. Yep. But when I became a Zeppelin fan in the 80s, Zeppelin, of course, had broken up, and CDs were starting to come onto the scene in the mid-80s. So you weren't really seeing vinyl so much, especially 45s. Um, It was starting to get phased out. And you had to search... For older 45s, for sure. And I remember there was a famous record store in uh, Lincoln Park on the north side of Chicago called Wax Tracks. And I had just gotten into Zeppelin. This is early 80s, shortly after Bonham died. I mean, I knew about Zeppelin, but I was just a kid in the 70s. So I hadn't really developed my musical identity until... The 80s, as most kids, I I always put that around 12 years old. I think that's when you really start to notice a kid beginning to identify with music that means something to him or her. And so about this time, I found myself at this record store. I couldn't drive yet, so I took the train to get there. I was meeting up with some friends, and I was flipping through the old 45s they had. And I pulled out immigrant songs. And I was like, immigrant song, this this is cool I, I, Okay, I'm going to get this one And I didn't even know what it was Little did I know The B-side immigrant song was Hey, Hey, What Can I Do mm-hmm. A song that no one was able to find Wow So I suddenly found myself becoming the popular guy <laughs> Because I had the vinyl of Hey, Hey, What Can I Do I mean, I found that like the girls who had never talked to me Were all of a sudden interested and, you know uh, hey, uh, you know, do you mind if I uh, come over to your place with a blank tape? And I was like, "Oh my God, what's happening here?" What's going? On?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh
1: man, so, that's like that's like growing up with a blue tooth and not knowing what you had the whole time. <clears throat>
0: Jim, so, York. Hey, 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 but see, hey, hey, what can I do? Started to get some airplay. Yeah, with the rise of the classic rock FM stations in the mid '80s, like I mean. Stations that were calling themselves classic rock, you know, and with their two for Tuesday and all that stuff. Two for Tuesday. And so they would actually play, hey, hey, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And and people are like, well, how can I get this song? How can I get it? And no one could find it because it wasn't on the Led Zeppelin 3 printing. And so the the, the seven or the... um, the thirty-three and a third, and so you had to go and search it out, and you'd have to go to specialty shops that had used records and to find the old forty-five, um, and uh, and so people were really interested in this track that seemed so rare up until nineteen ninety when the uh,
1: first box set came mm. out, and uh, they included "Hey Hey, What Can I Do." Your your discovery of this song is so much cooler than mine. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I started to get into Zeppelin In high school yeah. To impress a lady And um, In 93 I think the, the Encomium CD was released Which is the a bunch tri- of A bunch tribute. of Led Zeppelin covers yeah. covers yeah. Tribute to Led Zeppelin And on that album uh, Hey Hey What Can I Do Is performed by none other Than Hootie and the Blowfish Oh and now listen, they were huge. I know. I Hoot- remember. Hootie was huge. Yeah. And I really dug that song. I'm like, this is, it, it was at the time one of my favorite songs off that album. I'm like, well, what album is this on? And so, you know, I didn't, there was no internet. There was, you know, and and there was a Walmart in our town. And that was about it. So, you'd, so I'd go flip through the CDs, you know, where they had Led Zeppelin CDs. And, you know, you go... Well it's not on one, it's not on two, it's not on three, it's not on this weird one, it's not on the you know, and um where does this song come from? And um and so finally, uh I, 95 with the the 95 remastered box set. That's when I realized, oh, this is what's going on here. Ah. But so, for all that time you only had Hootie. Only had Hootie for about a year, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because we couldn't, our, our our the classic rock station we could list, it wasn't really a classic rock station, it was more of a rock station. And so you may get some Zeppelin, but then it's going to be mostly Soundgarden and Pearl Jam that was playing at that time. And we were picking it up from Savannah, and everything else was country music. And so you had to develop your own, you know, you had to make your own mixtapes and stuff, because you couldn't depend on the radio in 90 in Hazelhurst, Georgia.
0: Right. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Regional suppression of. Were you guys allowed to dance? Well, oh sure, time? sure. It's <laughs> so like Footloose. Oh, right? sure. Yeah, no, it wasn't. wasn't that bad. <laughs> uh, well, you know, so that, um, you know, the the hootie cover, that was that was pretty much an accurate. Uh, an accurate uh, retelling of yeah. the song, wasn't yeah. it? It was. They didn't do anything sort of off the deep end. With yeah, but it. It you've was got.
1: But you've got Hootie's range and you've got Plant's range. Right. So it's <laughs> so, different animals. So when Plants like, I got a little woman and she yeah. won't be a true, you know. Hootie's like, I got a little woman and she won't be a true. Yeah, okay. You know, there's just something a little more raw and rough about what Zeppelin's doing that just makes it that much cooler. Of Not course. dogging on Hootie. I still love Hootie and the Blowfish. Like- oh, you,
0: know, you did ask me about Greta Van Fleet earlier, mm-hmm. and, and we sort of got sidetracked, and I never really told you, and so I'm going to keep it real brief here so we can get back to Zeppelin 3. But what I like about them, they're they're young kids who are rocking, and you don't see enough of that nowadays. Right, yes. And they do a great job of replicating the style that Zeppelin established while... I think creating something pretty cool and uh, original themselves. Yep. I like the songs they're doing. Me too. And sure, yeah, they're in the style of Zeppelin. But I mean, I think that's an important thing to carry forward. You know, in the year 2018, mm-hmm. when it seems like rock radio is dying out and kids are into EDM and hip hop and they're not really. Carrying on the tradition of rocking balls out rocking. Mm-hmm. And so I like to see young guys doing this. And they are young guys. Some yes. of them are still teenagers in this band. Yep. Now the kid, the lead singer, he's uh <laughs> he's a he's a piece of work. He nails early Robert Plant. Sure Sounds he does, just, yeah, but with better control. And I like that, and so they're able to incorporate all of those great elements of Led Zeppelin and carry it forward in this new band. Um, and I think they do so unapologetically. Like I was saying before, when we thought of Zepp clones in the hair band days, we were thinking of bands like White Snake or uh, Kingdom Come. Mm. Uh, which we called Kingdom Clone. <laughs> but I mean, there was a lot of that going on. But those guys, they didn't have the rawness that was essential to Zeppelin. Mm. They they lacked this raw quality. It was almost done too well, too perfectly, too well-produced, so glossy. Greta Van Fleet does it differently. They are able to capture the raw animal energy of Led Zeppelin. And uh, I like that. I I like everything about these guys. And uh, I've read some uh, interviews where they're tired of being compared to Led Zeppelin. And I'll admit, the kid does kind of go up there and, uh, you know, go into Robert Plant poses, holding his hand up and all that stuff that Plant does. But, uh, you know, if, if they're able to carry on hard-rocking tradition that Zeppelin was able to establish in the 70s. Yeah,
1: And if Zeppelin themselves aren't going to go out and do it, somebody should. Someone's got to take up that mantle and go with it. Someone's got to carry the torch. Exactly. For crying out loud.
0: We don't want to see rock and roll die. I'm happy to see uh, younger musicians going out there and just you know blasting it like like these guys do and so i i hope they i'm really curious to see what they can do because they sure seem to have the foundation yeah uh, uh, to build on and uh as they mature i think uh they're going to be able to put out some really good music if they can keep their band together that
1: that of course is always the other one right too, you know? there you go yeah yeah stay together guys stay together So <laughs> oh, hey, oh,
0: yeah greta van fleet um You know, I'm not looking at them as a replacement for Led Zeppelin, but I really dig what they're doing.
1: Well, there's a a small, I don't know how small, maybe small is the wrong word, but there is a groundswell of of young people who are genuinely into rock and roll. You know, I, I think there's starting to be a pushback against the pop, you know, the overproduced pop music that's out there and... Um, and you're seeing it in people like Greta Van Fleet and Kaleo and some other people. And that's one of the things I love about doing Rock Out Loud with Kristen is she keeps her ear to the ground with stuff like that. You've got groups like the Struts, you know, who really evoke a sense of queen uh, when you w- when you see them. And not not they're not ripping. It's another thing where the dude is not trying to be Freddie Mercury, but he's definitely influenced by Freddie Mercury. And he's got a great voice, and they put on a great show, and it's just like, you you you're starting to see some of these groups come along, and they're making some headway into the mainstream slowly but surely, because they are appealing to people who like rock and roll. They're appealing to people like you and I, you know, the old fogies who are like, well, it's not as good as it used to be, and 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 so suddenly you, you your ears kind of perk up. But um, but yeah, but I say that to say Hootie and the Blowfish did a good job. Yes. Of- <laughs> But not uh, yeah, you know Hootie they're fine but <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah it's it, it's good to have different takes on it like you know Hootie they they do hey hey what I what can I do but it's it's Hootified
1: right you know their right. version is
0: Hootified whereas like Greta Van Fleet they do their own music and it's Zeppified. yeah so it, it's it's bands taking two different approaches at uh, at continuing the the tradition yeah. of Led Zeppelin.
1: Well, uh, speaking of continuing the tradition, let's continue the album. Uh, yeah. And and so we we went off the album to get that backside, that B side uh, of the Immigrant Song single. And so this is track two. You know, you talk about kind of the the smash in your face of the Immigrant Song, and then the rest of the album being a little bit lighter. That this is a bit of an example of that. This is Friends. Ooh. such an interesting song, Jim.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, you really hear now, um, you're hearing the acoustic influence starting to grab hold. Even though this is an extremely heavy song, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in my opinion. I've always felt it's extremely heavy. Uh, Robert really just brings it. You do have that acoustic atmosphere. And that was all developed... During the songwriting process, Page and Plant went out to a cottage in Wales called the Bronwar. Okay, have you ever heard of these stories about it? I've not. No. Okay. Robert was familiar with this old, like centuries-old cottage built out in the countryside in uh, in Wales. Beautiful rolling hills and uh, a a huge valley that this uh, cottage overlooks. It's up on a hill, and it's about three miles away from civilization. No running water, Uh no electricity. And that's where Robert suggested he and Paige go because they were burnt out from nonstop touring. Ever since the band formed, these guys were on the road. And when they weren't on the road, they were in the recording studio. So Plant suggested to Page, they go out to this cottage. And Plant knew about it because he had gone on vacation there when he was a kid. And he said, this place will be perfect, and we can write songs out there. And that's where you take note of this acoustic influence that infiltrates Led Zeppelin, with beginning with this song, Friends. Or, you, you know, of course, uh, Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? That almost is a song that... Seems tailor-made for the campfire, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> the right? Music, yes. guitars. Yeah, and everything. So, but I mean, you're you're noticing this influence about the, from the songwriting sessions that Page and Plant had out at this remote cottage, and uh, that cottage still stands to this day. You can uh, go there and visit it. I would love to go someday. It would be great to record an episode of. Rock Outlet from the actual cottage. We could sit there and we can, uh, you know, we can play uh, acoustic guitars and bongos. But, uh, yeah, Bronwar, it's spelled. And and Zeppelin has uh, a couple of tracks, Uh, one track here on Led Zeppelin 3, which we'll talk about in the next episode because it's on site, too. They have the Bronwar Stomp. And then Jimmy Page had a solo acoustic instrumental piece that ended up on physical graffiti, simply called brawn And, um, you know, all all my friends, you know, in the suburbs, we would always call it like brawn Ear hour or bron year, but it's pronounced brawn like that. Right.
1: I'm I'm glad you said that when you said it. I'm like, Oh, so that's how you pronounce that. Yeah.
0: The brawn And so, um, Yeah, Page and Plant went out there And they actually did go back In the mid-90s And they shot some video For the unleaded The MTV unleaded Mm -hmm. reunion Yeah They did shoot some stuff there I I believe in the same In the same location That I haven't looked at that video In a long time But uh, I think when they're playing Gallows Pole they might be out there Mm -hmm. Or uh or somewhere in that area, that big valley behind it and everything.
1: This song, so, yeah. This song is, I mean, it's got that acoustic thing going. On. I mean, right from the get-go the the guitar strings sound like they're kind of loosely, you know, um, tuned and then you have the 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 hand drums coming in there and, and and but then all of a sudden those strings swell up in the background. And and it's almost eerie. Yeah. You know, there's a very eerie sense to it.
0: Well, you hear you start hearing very early seeds being planted of uh, the page and plant obsession with the eastern music, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, the Indian music, and um, and yeah, this is where it starts. As a matter of fact, they went to were they in Bombay and they recorded Friends with members of the Bombay Symphony Orchestra. Mm. And uh, that, I believe those tracks can be found on the expanded version of Led Zeppelin 3 that came out a few years ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, they recorded Friends and Four tra- four Sticks, which ended up on Zeppelin Four mm-hmm. with uh, members of the Bombay Symphony oh, wow. Orchestra. And there you get that droning sound again that Plant has become so fond of in his solo career. Mm-hmm as he still continues to do uh, rock, Indian music, fusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, again, I'd rather see him just go out and play Zeppelin music the way it's supposed to be played. Um, but this is kind of where all of that started, was uh, with the, the track Friends.
1: Yeah. That, as those strings come in with that... that yes. um I, in 97, I picked up a CD called Cashmere Symphonic Led Zeppelin. Um, it's uh, scored and it was arranged by a guy named Jazz Coleman. It's actually the London Philharmonic that do the recording. Uh-huh. And there's a couple of tracks uh, at the beginning and the end, and I want to say that they use that, that type of instrumentation as kind of an intro and an outro track for, for, this, for that whole album. It's a it's a really interesting deal that they did. I, are you familiar with that one? I, I don't think I'm familiar
0: with that specific one from the London Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. I did see Symphonic Led Zeppelin years ago, mm-hmm. and it was a guy from a like a hair metal band. Oh wow! I forget which band it was, but he had really studied Zeppelin and wanted to get it all down note for note, and then he had. Strings with him on stage and and everything. Um, boy, I wish I could remember what that guy's name was. Some um, up up north at the Genesee Theater in um, in Illinois. And I yeah, symphonic Led Zeppelin, but I can't remember the, the yeah. guy. He was the guitar player, and he was from a hair metal band. But uh, I
1: can't remember the name of the band or the name of the guy
0: right. or anything about well, it. it I haven't several, ten years ago. I
1: said. Yeah, I haven't thought about or even pulled out this album in a while, and um, and then I got to looking as I was listening, you know, getting ready for this. I said that sounds like I think it was on that one album because I'd listened to it for a little while, and um, and so I'll I'll try to get these tracks to you, let you hear them. It's actually yeah. not it's not bad at all. It's some good stuff. So.
0: I'm surprised oh, I don't I don't have that in my stash. Yeah. But uh yeah, you know,
1: there there's been various versions
0: of that. But I think the London Philharmonic is probably the most well known, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though I haven't heard it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so Friends, a song never really performed live by Zeppelin, not at all, actually. Right. But Page and Plant did perform it, I believe, when they did their uh their tour in the nineties. I'm pretty sure they played Friends. Uh they they played a lot of acoustic stuff mm-hmm. that Zeppelin never really did live too often. Um Friends was a tough song, I think, for them to be able oh, to play. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you you almost have to have a whole other setup ready to go <laughs> for it. Just based on the guitar tuning and everything, I would think, if nothing else. But there's also you've got the sitar in there, it sounds like, and a bunch of other
0: I don't know if it's a sitar. It's a, there's a string section in there.
1: There is a string section, but there does sound in the background like a little... Down, 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 down.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I hear a sitar.
1: Um,
0: I hear definitely hear acoustic guitars. Yeah. And then the strings, of course, were arranged by John Paul Jones, and the whole mm-hmm. thing was produced by Jimmy Page. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody asked Jimmy Page in an interview, hey, how come uh, you're such a great producer, but how come you never produced anyone else's stuff? Only your own, only Zeppelin. You say, well, um, you know, he's always like so, like, very polite and mm-hmm. just kind of like, you know, whatever. yeah, whatever. He's like, well, I suppose it's because no one's ever asked me, you know, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what?
1: that's all it would have <laughs> taken? Maybe, maybe what I'm hearing and mistaken for the sitar is the pedal steel guitar.
0: Is there a pedal steel in it too?
1: That's I'm just looking at some some notes here on the Wikipedia. Oh Jimmy Page is is credited with guitar, pedal steel guitar, the banjo. All right.
0: Yeah, the well, I think that would attribute you know contribute to some of that droning sound you hear. Mm-hmm. But
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was more of the strings. Yeah, hmm. there is a there's a little down back down down. Back down. <laughs> well, it definitely is a psychedelic track. Yes, yes, there's that's, that's that. a good word for it. That is it's definitely a, a good word for it. So, um, Celebration Day.
2: Her face is cracked from smiling All the fears that she's been hiding And it seems that pretty soon Everybody's gonna know
1: I get lost in this song, Jim. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I get lost just jamming to this song. Um I love what's going on with the bass. There's just uh, he's just running up and down that bass and um and also this, you know, you talk about you go from something like Friends which has that very, as you said, psychedelic right back into this and this feels like bluesy Led Zeppelin more than anything else we've heard so far.
0: It is bluesy. Uh, it rocks hard. Mm-hmm. The riff that riff that Page plays always reminded me of Jimi Hendrix's "Purple Haze,"
1: mm.
0: where he does that. Bow-down-down-down, yeah. Bow-down-down-down. It, it, yes. it reminds me of the riff from "Purple Haze." Mm. Um, it, it, I love how it it begins with the the drone coming off of "Friends," and then it just segues right into "Celebration Day." Yes. With that Jimmy Page, just guitar, you know, he's just scratching the <laughs> strings at that point. Um, it was used, that riff, for Celebration Day. Um, oh, no, no, I'm confusing that with another song, so forget that. But Celebration Day was a song that was played live mm-hmm. quite often um, in the early 70s, and then they brought it back at the Nebworth Festival in the late 70s, and I think that was the last time it was ever played by the band. Um On the Song Remains the Same album, you have, okay, so in the movie, I don't think you, Celebration Day was included in the original release of the Song Remains the Same movie, but it ended up on the soundtrack. Hmm. Right? And then Black Dog was in the movie, but didn't.
1: It's not on the the soundtrack. soundtrack. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, like it was confusing
1: celebration day what's this where's black dog hey hey mama yeah what what's going on
0: what the heck so uh but a, a great track a real rocker apparently written is uh, a tribute to uh, Robert Plant's adventures in New York City mm. and uh yeah i mean um sometimes I guess a forgotten Led Zeppelin song it doesn't really get radio airplay right I think that might have to do with the fact that it does it 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 it, it is bridged together with friends mm-hmm. so it kind of gives you an awkward launch with that that moog synthesizer drone in the background yeah yeah uh, so that might have been something that discouraged FM radio from playing it because it seems like they play just about any other zeppelin song big uh, contradiction going on here from uh, this first side of the album to
1: the second side sure sure get, well this you know, isn't and- as this isn't as heavy as like immigrant song starts out but it's also not kind of the light touch that we get as, as we move forward either right Right, right. No,
0: no. I mean, this is just kicks down the doors and just you know takes over the party.
1: But you can um, also, but I can also see just a group of guys sitting out on the front porch of the general store, you know, with their little guitars, sitting around doing this song. You know, um, the, the you know the, the the local blues group out there. You know, they just kind of sit around all day because they got nothing else to do but sit outside and sing the blues. They're going to sit outside and sing Celebration Day.
0: Well, you know that. Uh, what robert plant brings to the song though i think is difficult for the guys on the street corner to replicate oh sure maybe hootie can do a version <laughs> well, of it you oh
2: know,
0: he's doing a, he's doing country little.
1: music these days
0: but uh well, well maybe he'll come back to rock for the
1: i'm stage. just i'm talking about just the basic groove of it the do 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 you know that that stuff that's going on um you know all the feels and everything no uh and and you're not going to have anyone running the bass like John Paul Jones is on this thing.
0: Yeah, he he's uh, really uh, making a statement with his bass playing in this song, as he does on a lot of this album. I think Jones's best bass playing is is still a f- we're still a few albums away mm-hmm. from that. But uh, he's he's definitely holding down the bottom very well with with John Bonham as he always does.
1: Well, we move on. Speaking of blues, Jim, here we Uh, go. Let's get real bluesy. Yeah, let's get it here on Since I've Been Loving You. It's a song that goes on for seven plus minutes. Yes. And, I mean, that intro was almost two minutes long. Um, I got to tell you, Jim, that it, it, when it starts out, <clears throat> I feel like we should be doing this number here. Hold on. Yeah. It's Rock Out Loud <laughs> with your boys, Steve and Jim. Bringing a little bit of jamming to your day. You know, that kind of thing going on there. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Some some cool 1970s FM. There you go.
0: There you go. DJ, you know, is Dr. Johnny Fever here with you. Venus Fly Trip. Oh, man. Fly Trap. I should say Venus Fly Trip. Now, that's a good name for a DJ. There you go. Uh, but, uh, yeah, since I've been loving you, Zeppelin taking ownership of the blues now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to since I've been loving you, they had been paying tribute to guys like Willie Dixon and Otis Rush and doing covers of blues live. But now they're staking their, they're planting their flag in blues country with, since I've been loving you, Um, which I think is great because now, you know, they have a vehicle where they can take their, Amazing chemistry as and talent as blues musicians, and apply it to something that is strictly Led Zeppelin. Yeah, you know it's yeah uh, blues in C for those of you jamming along at home. Uh, blues in C, and um, as opposed to like blues in A to you know A G E, it's it's like. Uh, let's, uh, let's play, play the blues in C. It's like,
1: in C? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. As opposed to Marty McFly's, it's a blues riff in D. Watch me yeah. for the changes, try Watch to keep up. Watch
0: for the changes, try <laughs> to keep up.
1: Let's go before my, my
0: hand fades away. Uh, all right, guys. Um. <laughs> but since I've Been Loving You, now what I love about Since I've Been Loving You, and it is a song that was, it, I think it followed Zeppelin throughout their entire Live performing mm-hmm. career, and uh, it was it was there until I don't think it made it into yeah it did, it was there it, through all of the tours even up to their final tour in uh, 1980 their Europe Zeppelin over Europe tour and what was great about it is it really gave Page a place to stretch out hmm. and play some of his most expressive guitar soloing, I think since I've been loving you, uh, is uh, uniquely Jimmy page. And in turn, I think he develops great communication with the rhythm section of, uh, Jones and Bonham. And at the same time, propelling his, his soloing into something that is uniquely his, you know, very Jimmy page and very expressive and, uh, something that, uh, Made like I said, a great vehicle for live performances because it could go as long as you know they wanted it to. Right. It yeah. could expand in all sort of different uh, jams and everything, and which um, is a very tight piece. Always when when I listen to underground recordings of live Led Zeppelin, I always get happy when I hear those first mm-hmm. notes of "Since I've Been Loving You" because I'm like, okay, well, this is going to go off in. Some really interesting directions Thus making it one of their more Unpredictable tracks when Performing yeah. it live yeah. so. And I like how Page goes again it's that That light But heavy sort of thing where he gets Real quiet and restrained And then it just blows up With Bottom joining In you know and, and to make it just Go super loud and heavy mm-hmm. and then it gets Quiet and reserved Again and he'll let The notes hang out there a little bit So, an awesome piece. One of, I gotta say, one of my all-time favorite Zeppelin tracks. Oh, nice, yeah. Now, you know, being a big fan of a band, any band, people will always ask you, well, what's your favorite song that the band does? And for the longest time, I would never, ever say what my favorite Led Zeppelin song was because it was hard for me to determine. But I would often cite, since I've Been Loving You, as a track that I really love hearing them play, especially live. Now, just recently, I have come to the determination that I I actually do have an all-time favorite Zeppelin track. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize this, but it was just recently. This is like a, a recent kind of bolt of lightning that hit me. And I said, well, of course, that's my all-time favorite track. And I'll tell you what it is. It is the live version of Days and Confused from The Song Remains the Same. Mm. That's it. That is it. That is my all time favorite Zeppelin track. So, uh, took me a long time to get there 50 years of Led Zeppelin. <laughs> but here I am.
1: And now here we are. We've settled it. I well, know, so. because, um, because that intro was so long and, and, and I didn't do enough prep to kind of come in the middle of the song, we do have some isolated plant vocals from since I've been loving So,
0: this comes from, uh, I, I, I have been collecting, uh live Zeppelin underground recording studio outtakes, you name it, forever. And uh this is something I forgot I had, but I stumbled across it in a folder of Zeppelin 3 Outtakes. And <laughs> I have not heard this in a long time, but I know this is 30 seconds of Robert Plant. Hopefully, he's really belting it out in this one. Uh, but uh we'll have to wait and see. This is Robert Isolated since I've been loving you.
2: A-doo. Every night I said it kind of makes life a lot of drag, 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 drag. Lord! Ugh. yeah! Let ride! Now, now! Since I've been loving you, mm. uh, I'm about to lose my love mind. mine.
1: Oh, my gosh! <laughs> Dude! <laughs> Now the
0: quality of that recording almost sounds like you were singing over a telephone.
1: Line. I was going to say that. I'm like, did he, th- we've got Robert Plant on the line
0: calling in? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we really get to hear some of his uh, Im- impressive vocal range right in there. And again, as I said, you know, very expressive for uh, for Page and his performance on the song, but equally so for Robert. Mm-hmm. You know, Robert uh, does not leave anything at the door. He brings it all inside and. Uh, and it is a one hell of a great performance all around for the entire band.
1: I've not heard him. I mean, the the, the most recent I've heard Plant sing is from that two thousand and seven concert concert album. Yeah. Um, surely he has no voice these days. Oh, you, what to do something like that? Well, yeah, at all. I would I mean, like he. Surely he blew it out <laughs> Oh yeah, time. that was the beginning of the.
0: Well, I, you know, Robert's voice did changed dramatically Mm -hmm. uh, over the course of the Zeppelin recording and performing career. I mean, he... uh, And and some of that I might attribute to that 1975 car crash that I was Mm, talking
1: about. Yeah,
0: Because it seemed like that was the thing, you know, from that 75 tour and then with a presence and in through the outdoor to follow it in that 77 tour, Robert's voice certainly changed. And then when he got into his solo career, he was definitely doing a lot more crooning and a lot less belting. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, but there, there is a a significant voice change that has gone on with Robert. And you see that in a lot of performers, but, uh, usually it happens a little older when they're a little older. Yeah. And, um, and uh you know some of them still maintain the same voice have you heard paul rogers sing to this day he still sounds like paul rogers roger daltrey's another one yeah he's been able to maintain his uh his tonal power and and range and control and everything but robert definitely has gone through so many different changes with his voice as a matter of fact for the celebration day reunion uh that album in. uh and DVD, that thing that was shot in 2007 at the O2 Arena in London, uh, Jimmy Page and, and John Paul Jones, they had to tone down their uh, their tunings uh, for Robert. They had to tune down for him. So, um, it, it, you know, you have to be really knowledgeable of music and everything. I don't notice it as much as some of my friends are who are musicians.
1: I don't, I don't notice it as much as I notice when a band doesn't tune down And the singer just has to sing an octave down.
0: And he's, or he's struggling to, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Jack Bruce, the bassist for Cream, who's no longer around, but uh, he was uh, when Zeppelin did that reunion in 2007. And uh, Jack Bruce always had kind of a chip on his shoulder about Mm. Led Zeppelin sort of, you know, being considered the. the pioneers of hard rock and everything uh, he took exception to that he always felt like cream it did more to establish heavy music than led zeppelin oh. and of course that's debatable but he just didn't like led zeppelin and he took a few pot shots at Robert Plant after that reunion tour saying, hey, you know, when Cream got back together, we didn't have to tune down for our vocals. We played the songs the way they were recorded and, uh, and, and you know, we, we stayed true and authentic to them where Led Zeppelin had to tune down for those O2 shows. And again, like I said, it doesn't bother me because I'm not a musician, you know, but some of my friends are are great musicians and they don't necessarily hear music. They can see it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and when that happens, then, uh, you know, they're, they're, um, they're perceiving things that are outside of my pay scale.
1: Yeah. I don't, I, like I said, I, well, when we talked about, it, I remember uh, several years ago talking to you about that album specifically, and I was, I was surprised at how good it sounded. And and you're like, well, they tuned down. And I'm like, well, yeah, but they did it in such a way as to really do a good job of making everything mesh and not. And you don't feel like when you know when you watch Bon Jovi sing these days, he has no voice anymore. Mm -hmm. And oh,
0: really? Yeah, I didn't know that.
1: And so everything that he's doing and singing is just like he tunes it down, but the rest of the band is doing the original key. Mm. And it just sounds weaker. It doesn't sound strong. But when the when the band tunes down for the vocalist, he's able to, con, to, to continue to sound strong, and everyone sounds like they're on the same page. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's just what you have to do with age, you know. Regardless of what Cream did or didn't do, they, you know. It's, but anyhow, I, I don't know. I'm starting to get <laughs> a little too defensive here. <coughs> We have one more chance. Yeah, let's round it out. This is side Side A rounding it, rounding out side A without on the tiles. sometimes based on the vocals of this and the the structure of the uh, the structure of the lyrics and the way the song is sung always I always, <laughs> always want to go uh, the beginning of uh, I think good times bad times as far as just the words go I always oh, up, no. I always end up thinking I'm about to sing the wrong thing
0: you know I've never made the connection between the two songs but this this could be a sequel to good times bad times yeah just has that really thumping riff. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is notable because I think this is the first time outside of Moby Dick that John Bonham gets a writing credit on a Zeppelin song. Uh, Prior to Zeppelin 3, it was all pretty much uh, Jimmy Page and then Robert Plant. And then uh, by Zeppelin 3, you started to get more contributions from Bonham and Jones. But uh, Out on the Tiles, uh, titled that way, because they were recording this album at a big old mansion uh, in in England called Headley Grange. And they took uh, the Rolling Stones mobile recording unit out there, and uh, which was a truck, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they set up shot, and instead of recording in a traditional studio, they recorded in this big old mansion. And Page was being very experimental with microphone placement in mm. relation to amplifiers or drums or you name it. Without on the tiles, uh, I believe they set up John Bonham's drum kit in a bathroom, a big old bathroom, <laughs> and uh, Paige placed the microphone in the bathroom, and uh, they got this, this, this reverberation sound. That was uh, that's how why they call it out on the tiles. Uh, it was originally known as just bathroom sound. <laughs> 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 that was like the working <laughs> the working title for the track. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's it's a really interesting miking technique, and mm-hmm. it's it's by miking everything distantly. Um, now, wait a second. I don't know if they said. Bonham's drum track or drum kit up in the bathroom, or if Paige just put the microphone in the, back, in the bathroom
1: to record the riff. Bathroom sound. I might have to dig up my uh, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Don't, Google. Don't Google bathroom sound, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think he just put the microphone in there and
0: recorded mm. it from the bathroom um, because that would be kind of crowded with Bonham's drum kit in there. But uh, a really cool song that they didn't play live very often. I believe only in in 1970 was the one and only tour in which they played this song live. But the riff itself made for an introduction into Black Dog. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Black Dog just starts off with vocal. Or if you listen to the album, there's some sort of weird... Guitar sound that Jimmy Page makes before the vocal kicks in. Well, when they would play it live, occasionally they would use the riff from Out on the Tiles and then it would go into Hey, Hey, Mama. Um, They would also use the opening riff from Bring It On Home from Zeppelin 2 as Mm. an intro to Black
1: Dog. Oh, cool. Okay.
0: And then Out on the Tiles, um, John Bonham. Did a drum solo, obviously. Uh, They would perform Moby Dick, and they did this for years up until uh, the 1977 tour when Robert Plant would introduce John Bonham and he would say, for his drum solo, and he would say, Ladies and gentlemen, John Bonham, over the top. And so then they would go into the Out on the Tiles riff. And they would play that for a few measures and whatever. And then they would just stop and Bonham would take off into his drum solo. Mm. Then when they would come out of the drum solo, instead of playing out on the tiles, they would do the traditional Moby Dick riff. Mm. But that was the John Bonham over the top solo. And so that would open up with the out on the tiles riff. But that was, uh, like I said, the only time that Zeppelin would really play the song live was in the, in that 1970 tour right as Zeppelin 3 was being released but then after that they would only just play the riff on occasion uh, as an intro to Black Dog and I don't know if Page and Plant ever played out on the tiles live I don't think they did but I, I'm not 100% sure that's
1: unfortunate because this is a really great song like I really do dig it and I want to I wanna come back to bathroom sound really quickly <laughs> Oh boy! By the way, everyone, Jim does this with no notes. This he just knows this stuff. This I'm is, just winging it. That he's is a true. super fan. Um, That's I, why not
0: all my information is
1: accurate. But I have the Wikipedia pulled up here. Okay. All right. And in 2014, um, this was this was reissued on a CD. There was a deluxe two CD edition. Yes. And yes. on the on the deluxe edition, uh, on the uh, bonus disc that came with it. There is a track called Bathroom Sound. Right. Which is just the backing track and no vocals of Out on the Tile.
0: It's all instrumental, Out on mm-hmm. the Tiles.
1: Yeah. Right. So the, so obviously something was done in the bathroom there, Jim.
0: <laughs> I think he put the microphone in there. I don't okay. think they set up the full kit. Mm. But Paige was experimenting with microphone placement. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, and, and that's what does contribute a lot to John Bonham's big sound mm-hmm. is. is There are a couple of factors there. Number one, Bonham's talent and hard-hitting style. Uh, The fact that John Bonham knew how to tune his drums to get ultimate sound out of it. And number three is Jimmy Page knew how to record him. Traditionally, a lot of producers would place the microphone right up to the drum kit. But Page played around with different things like... Pulling it aside, putting it on the other side of the room, or sticking the microphone all the way in the bathroom if necessary.
2: Hmm.
0: And uh, in, in that big old mansion that they were playing in, it just had this reverberation that couldn't necessarily be replicated by studio magic of the 70s. And so Page would have to figure it out himself. I'm glad you brought up the deluxe edition bonus disc that came out in uh, 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, That does have a few tracks here that we've talked about. It has an alternate mix of the Immigrant Song. It has an instrumental track, uh, Take on Friends. It has an alternate mix of Celebration Day, a rough mix of Since I've Been Loving You, and then, of course, the uh, instrumental out-on-the-tiles bathroom sound backing track. <laughs> um, but so, I mean, nothing really out of the ordinary. I do want to talk about a few things on the Deluxe Edition bonus disc on our next edition okay. of Rock Outlet Great. as we go through side two, because there are some really unique things in there. And uh, and uh, I have some tracks that didn't make it onto the Deluxe oh, Edition wow. bonus disc, okay. which surprised me, really surprised me. And uh, I have one set aside that we're going to play next time. Oh, fantastic. But I do have a cool bonus track as we wrap up this edition of Rock Out Lead. I brought with me a very rare instrumental take of Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? So you'll hear all the uh, great uh, music uh, that went into that track. Um, Like I said, essentially the ultimate Zeppelin campfire song. And, uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna leave on that track.
1: We are. We're gonna we're gonna close her up with that. And uh, just want to thank everyone for listening. Would love to hear from you at rockoutloudpod at gmail.com, rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. Follow us on the Golaverse uh, at on Twitter, or you go to our Golaverse Facebook page. Which is really where I'm more active. I don't really do Twitter these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can support the Patreon. You can head over to patreon.com/geekoutloud. And support the Golaverse there, or you can go support Rebel Force Radio at Patreon.com. I'd say support them both. What's the Patreon for Rebel Force Radio, Jim?
0: Patreon.com/slash Rebel Force
1: Radio. Yeah, so uh, so so go over and check it out. A lot of great content coming from Rebel Force Radio. Some great content coming from Golaverse on Patreon over there. So, uh, but yeah, so Jim, thanks so much, man. I've enjoyed this, and uh, until next time, I'm Steve. And I'm Jimmy Mac. And here's hey hey what can you do? What can I do? What what can I do? Just do it. Okay.